We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ's likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. If you've got a Bible, uh, either a hard copy or one on your phone through the Version Bible app or the ESV Bible app or whatever your favorite Bible app is, uh, you can go ahead and pull that up. Uh, and open to Luke chapter 9. Uh, this is, today is part two of a message that began last week uh, in which we're asking, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And so last week, what we talked about uh, from Luke 9, just a couple verses in 21 and 22, uh, we talked about what it is that Jesus has come to do for us. And we talked about four things, if you remember. We talked about how Jesus came to suffer many things for us, how he identifies with us in our suffering, in the brokenness of this fallen world, and that he came to be in the midst of it, talking about the beauty of the incarnation and God's great love for us, uh, that he would suffer for us and with us. We also talked about how Jesus came to be rejected by those that he loved and that he was pursuing and those that were meant to be uh, the, the strongest of God's people. He came for, uh, he came for us and the religious leaders, they rejected him. So he came to suffer many things, he came to be rejected, and then we talked about these two aspects of what Jesus came to do that we often talk about uh, at Good Friday and Easter, the cross and the resurrection, that Jesus came to die for you and I, and that he didn't just come to die for our sins as we just sang about that beautiful truth that we stand forgiven at the cross, and because of the cross... But no, that's not where it ended. Instead, on the third day, he was risen to life once again. And because he is risen, because he is alive, you and I, we have actual, real, tangible hope now, today. So this is what we talked about last week. We talked about these aspects that are so central to the gospel message about, oh, pardon me, sorry, goodness, all sorts of things happening today. (laughs) Um, But last week, we talked about these truths that were so central to the gospel message, to the good news about Jesus Christ, that Jesus has come to do something for us. And as we just sang these truths, do you realize that's what we do when we sing? We sing truth. We sing truth about God. We sing the gospel We sing about the grace of God and the salvation that we have in Jesus. We sing about all that he's done for us. And so the first thing that we have to understand about what it means to follow Jesus is we have to understand what Jesus has come to do for you and I. And then the second thing that we have to understand is what we'll talk about today. And that's what Jesus calls you and I to do in response. 
So I want you to read today through the lens of understanding last week, of understanding what Jesus has already accomplished for us, what Jesus has already come to do for us, because that is the foundation for what he calls us to do in response. And what we're talking about today is a response to what Jesus has done. So I want you to understand that what we're talking about today is not something that earns you salvation. It's not something that gets you right with God. Instead, it is a response to what Jesus has done to make you and I right with God. And so today we're asking the question, after answering the question last week, what did Jesus come to do for us? Today we're asking the question, what has Jesus called us to do for him? So let's look at it, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. I'm going to read it for us, and then I'm going to pray one more time for us. And we'll see uh, five things this morning. Here's what Luke writes for us. And he, Jesus, said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you asking, would you allow us to see the kingdom? Would you allow us to see more clearly today not only what we talked about last week and who you are and what you've done for us, but what kind of response that demands from us how it ought to shape and change our hearts and lives on a daily basis. So God, would you help us to understand what you're asking of us this morning when we ask, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Would you answer that question for us today? Would you show us clearly? And would you give us the strength and the grace and the wisdom to follow after your son? In his beautiful, mighty, saving name we pray. Amen. All right, well, there's uh, several different things that I want you to understand in answering this question. What has Jesus called us to do this morning? And the first thing I want you to notice right there in verse 23, there's a couple of things in this verse. Jesus says, after foretelling his death, and we talked about that last week, after Peter has confessed him as the Christ, Now, Jesus is telling us what it means to follow the Christ, what it means to follow him. And he said to all, in verse 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the first thing I want you to notice is that what Jesus calls us to do is deny ourselves. But before we get into what denying ourselves means, I want you to notice that he said, if anyone would come after me, 
These are the things that he or she must do. He said, if anyone. So what he's about to tell us, this means that this is for any and every Christian. This isn't for the super saints. This isn't for martyrs alone. This is for Christians, everyday Christians, trying to follow Jesus in the midst of life like you and me. This is for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. And so read these words this morning. Hear these words as though Jesus were speaking them directly to you because he is. He's telling us what it means to follow him. And the first thing that he tells us is that following Jesus means denial of self. And so, what does it mean to deny yourself? Well, it means that you and I, we no longer sit on the throne of our hearts and lives. We're no longer the ones who are in control. We're no longer the ones who are saying how life should be or will go. Instead, we deny ourselves, which means we disown ourselves and entrust ourselves to another And so instead of you and I determining what life is going to look like, we deny ourselves and we follow after a new master, a new Lord. We deny ourselves to follow the one who's actually in control, who is worthy of sitting not just on the throne of heaven, but on the throne of your heart. You see, this is the thing about our our hearts. This is the thing about our lives. There is only room for one Lord in your life. And it's either going to be Jesus or someone else. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be you. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be your desires. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be the opinions of others. Or you could fill in the blank. Either Jesus is Lord of your life, or someone or something else is. And denying yourself at the heart of this concept is to deny any and other God or Lord that could fill that space. It's to say, I am no longer the one who determines what my life will look like. I am no longer the one who is in control. I am no longer the one who decides what I should pursue. Instead, I'm I'm gonna deny myself. I'm gonna deny my own desires and wants in life. I'm gonna deny my opinions and what I think life should look like. And I'm gonna follow after someone trusting that they know better than I do what this should look like. And that's at the heart of faith, right? That's what it means to trust God. Whenever, whenever we talk about this idea of trust, trust involves a kind of vulnerability, a kind of risk, right? When you trust someone, you are risking something. You are giving them something and, and trusting that they're going to do with it what needs to be done. 
And so when we, when we talk about denying ourselves to follow after Jesus, we are denying our own opinions about what things should look like. We are denying our own desires and the things that we want to pursue in life, saying that Jesus' way is better than mine and yours. Denying yourself, it means abandoning the pursuit of your own kingdom and pleasures to pursue the king and his pleasures. You see, when Jesus proclaims the gospel, he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. And and when we talked about what it means for him to be the Christ, we talked about how it means for him to be king. It means that he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And that has to apply to your heart and life. And it means denial of your own self-sovereignty, your own autonomy, if you're going to follow after him. It means your kingdom and your pursuits are no longer what's primary. Instead, his kingdom and his pursuits are. And, and, and here's why like, we can be freed to do this. is because he's a good king. We read elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, when, when, he, when Jesus talks about our fear and our worry and our anxiety, the things that we're concerned about in life, and, and what I mean by that, and what Jesus means by that, if you go and, and read it early on in the Gospel of Matthew, when he's talking about our fears and concerns in life, he talks about things like food and shelter. He talks about the things that we absolutely need to live. And he says, don't worry about any of those things. He says, instead, pursue my kingdom, pursue me. And all these other things will fall into place. He says, pursue me, pursue my kingdom, and let me take care of the rest. Let me take care of it all. So we can be freed to pursue him, to deny ourselves, because he's a good king, and he knows what we need better than we do. And so this denial of self, while it's a hard thing for us to do, we can be freed to do it because of who he is and what he's done for us. So denial of self, it might look like this. We might deny our greed, our desire to to gain a, a, a bigger portfolio, have a bigger house, more of what we want in life that money can buy. It might look like denying your greed to pursue his kingdom through sacrificial generosity. Saying that whatever he has given to you is not actually yours to do with what you want, but it's actually his to do with what he wants. So denial of yourself might have some serious implications for your pocketbook, your bank account. I said pocketbook. Does anyone have one of those anymore? It just occurred to me, you know, that's not like a thing very often. But your bank account, the way you use your money might look different because you're denying yourself and pursuing Christ. 
It might mean that the way you go about your appetite and what foods you eat and your exercise regimen and whatever you do to, to maintain a healthy body that God has given you to steward, it might look like you making different choices in those areas, denying yourself some of the things that you want so that you can be healthy and able to serve Jesus wherever he calls you to. That's not one that we Baptists like to really practices it. I mean, like some of us are just dying because we can't have church meals during this whole pandemic thing. I mean, Baptists, we eat. And we eat to our heart's desire. But what if part of denying yourself was to eat differently so that your body is ready to go wherever Jesus calls you to serve him? What if self-denial looked like denying sexual desire in ways that maybe before following Jesus you didn't? What if it has implications for some of the deepest desires, the desires that we have most regularly in life? What if instead of pursuing our lusts, we pursued purity, and not just purity, but greater pleasure in following Jesus Christ? And when I talk about that, I I, want to include in this idea when we're talking about all these things that self-denial might look like in your life, God is not the enemy of pleasure. What Jesus is calling us to here when he says deny yourself and follow me, he's not calling us to asceticism. Say that three times as fast as he can. He's not calling us to the kind of, of denial that we see in other kinds of religions where, where pleasure is like the enemy and a bad thing. No, God made Everything in creation, he made creation good and he made it for our joy that we might give him glory as we experience joy as his creatures living in his world. But the problem is, is that you and I, we take what he has made and we use it for our own purposes rather than what he's intended it for. And we take good things and they become God things in our lives and they usurp God's rightful place on the throne of our hearts. And then everything falls apart. And so God is not the enemy of your joy or your pleasure in life. And when, Jesus, when you hear Jesus say, deny yourself and follow after me, he's not saying that he doesn't want you to have joy and pleasure in life. Instead, he's saying he wants you to have more of it. And more of it, the fullness of joy and pleasure in life can only be found when you understand that you must deny yourself and follow him who has your actual good in mind. So following after Jesus involves self-denial. It means denying ourselves to pursue him trusting that he is better than anything else we could want or pursue or desire. 
following Jesus means denying yourself. And then he says that following him means not only denying yourself, but taking up your cross daily. I want you to catch that daily aspect here. Before we talk about what taking up your cross means, I want you to see that word. Because what Jesus is talking about here as he lays out what it means to follow him is not what it means to start following him. It's what it means to continue to follow him. It's what it means to start following him the first day you start to follow him. It's what it means the second day, the third, the fourth, the thousand and fifth, and then every day forever as you follow after him. What Jesus is talking about here is discipleship, and discipleship is a daily process. Learning to follow Jesus, denial of self, taking up your cross, following him. It's all a daily process. This is something that we must do every day. This is what Jesus called you to do yesterday. It's what Jesus calls you to do today. And it's what Jesus is calling you to do tomorrow. And so each day, we could get up and we, we could say, God, would you show me what it means to take up my cross and follow you today? Jesus, show me what it means to deny myself today and to pursue greater pleasure in your glory today. Jesus, show me what it means to follow you today. It's a daily process. Discipleship is daily. Following Jesus has implications for the decisions you make and the things you pursue each and every day of your life. And if it doesn't, then maybe you're not following him at all. I just want to let that sit with you. If following Jesus doesn't have a daily impact on your life. And what I'm not talking about here is I'm not talking about you get everything right every day. That's not what I'm saying. But if following Jesus doesn't mean something on a daily basis for you, then maybe you need this message because you don't know what it means to follow him at all. Because discipleship is daily and following Jesus has daily implications for your life and my life. And what Jesus is calling us to here is not something we once did, but something we continue to do every day until he brings us home. Discipleship is daily. And, and so he says, here's the second thing we've got to understand about what it means to follow Jesus. There's self-denial and then there's taking up your cross daily. Okay? So think, think about what the cross was in this culture. The cross was this, this image of, of death and shame. To take up your cross was to head towards your death. When you read further in the Gospels, you see that Jesus is asked, after he's beaten almost to death, he's asked to take up his cross and carry it to the place where he's going to die. And he can't do it because he's so weak, so someone else takes it up and carries it the rest of the way for him. But to take up your cross, this is what would happen in the ancient world under the Roman, Romans' rule, is they, when they sentenced someone to death by crucifixion, this individual would be asked to carry their cross to the place where they would die. 
So to take up your cross was to head to your end in this life. And there was much shame heaped upon them as they carried this cross to the place where they would die in front of everybody. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, take up your cross daily and follow me, you've got to understand that this is what they have in mind. They don't have in mind what you and I often do. You see, we, we have crosses on necklaces that we wear around our neck every day. And let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it can be a helpful reminder of what Jesus has done for us. But you and I, we sometimes see the cross as a cute decoration. Do you see what I mean? Like we we put crosses in in our homes, we put crosses on our necklaces, on our jewelry, and and we begin to, to... miss some of the horror of the cross. Again, I'm not saying like the picture of the cross you have at home or, or your necklace that you have on right now. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, I'm to be clear about that. But sometimes we miss the significance of what it means to take up your cross daily because we don't understand how weighty this kind of imagery was for the original hearers. When the disciples heard this, this would have been unfathomable. They, they would not have been able to fathom this idea. That what it means to follow the Christ who was supposed to be the conquering king who would restore God's people, who would restore the kingdom to them, that what following him means taking up your cross and not just denying yourself, but taking up your cross, which means coming to your end, It's not just a denial of self. It's an end of self. Following Jesus means you come to the end of you. You come to the end of you being Lord of your life. You come to the end of this life as you know it so that you can know life following Jesus. That's what I mean. Like your, your life, if you're following Jesus, it's going to look different. Maybe you, maybe you grew up in church, and so you don't understand what I mean when I say that. Maybe you grew up in church, and as long as you can remember, you've loved Jesus and, and wanted to pursue him and trust in him. And you can't remember a day when that wasn't the case for you. And, and if so, I know sometimes people think that that kind of testimony, like I grew up in church, I was discipled in the church, and, and I've loved Jesus as long as I can remember. Some people think that that testimony is, is, is weak or something, but it's, it's powerful, it's beautiful, and you should celebrate it. Some, but maybe it, it makes you wonder, when you hear pastors like me say, your life should look different following Jesus. Well, your life probably does look different if as long as you can remember you've loved Jesus and wanted to pursue him and live your life for his glory and his kingdom and his mission If as long as you can remember that's been your heart's desire, then your life probably does look very different 
than it would otherwise. And your testimony is a testimony to the power and grace of God in saving us and redeeming us. All right, I'm getting off on a tangent. Back in, okay. Take up your cross daily. Come to the end of yourself so that you can find your life in Jesus. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in, in just a moment. But, but to take up one's cross was to live knowing that life in this world was coming to an end and that you were rejected by this world. And so for the Christian to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus is to, is to daily acknowledge that your life as you knew it has come to an end to be found in Jesus and pursuing him and that this world, that you don't belong to this world, that this world has, in a sense, rejected you because you belong to a heavenly kingdom. All right, let's, let's move on to follow him because I'm going to spend too much time on each one of these. Okay. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's, there's an aspect of sacrifice in, there, in both those ideas. And then when Jesus says, follow me, this is at the heart of discipleship. And I recommended this book by David Platt called Follow Me last week. And if you don't have a copy of this, please get one and read it. Listen to the audiobook. The audiobook's great, too. Get a hold of this and, and read it and, and let God use it in your life because it's a great book. And it's about this idea, and it just fleshes it out over several pages. But when Jesus says, follow me, this is at the heart of his call to us. This is what it means to be a disciple, is to follow a teacher, a, a rabbi, a master, and to learn from them. So Jesus, in Matthew 28, when we read the end of Matthew's gospel, when he gives the great commission to his disciples, he says, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so Jesus kind of lays it out for us. He says, this is what it means to be a disciple of mine. It means to follow me, to learn from me, to obey all that I've commanded, all that I have taught, and then to go teach others to do likewise. And in the, in the middle of that great commission, there's this teaching on baptism, which, was this, which is this public declaration that you belong to Jesus, that your life is in him. In, in a similar kind of way that, that taking up one's cross would have been a public thing. You see, your relationship with Jesus is not just a private relationship between you and him. Though it certainly is that. It is much, much more than that. It has public implications for your life. You now live life as a representative of Christ, as a disciple of his, following after him, learning from him, and then teaching others to do the same. This is what Jesus has called us to do, Christians. 
So he says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Everything in there is involved the denial of self, the pursuit of Jesus, and that's a daily thing. And then he moves on and he says, in verse 24, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So he says, what it means to follow Jesus is to lose your life for his sake. You see, Jesus has just said that he came to die. And now he tells his disciples that following him may cost them their lives as well. You see, you and I, we, we talk about the things that are in this passage. Sometimes I think in almost trivial ways. We talk about some of the things that Jesus says here with a little less punch than they actually have. Sometimes our, our denial of self is just, I'm not going to get Starbucks five days this week. It's going to be four. And, and that's just not what Jesus is, is getting at. That doesn't convey the weight of what he's saying here. Do you understand what I mean? He's talking about life and death. He is saying that to follow after him means to deny yourself in your own kingdom, to, to have some kind of real substantial sacrifice in following him, taking up your cross daily to be rejected by the world around us instead of to gain it, as he says in the next verse. There's, there's a, a public declaration that you belong to him. You're pursuing him. And the world will reject you for it. And maybe, and this is an idea that's foreign to you and I, because we live in a country where we're free to worship as we so choose. But around the world, brothers and sisters, this is not the case. This is not the life that most Christians are able to live. Instead, they face an actual choice of life and death. David Platt, in his book, Follow Me, in the first chapter, he he tells the story of a a Muslim woman named Ayan. And Ayan lives in a country and a culture where you're either Muslim or you're dead. To, to follow Jesus was a choice for her between life and death. Because to choose to follow Jesus meant that her family would not just reject her and shame her, but immediately slit her throat. And she would lose her life in a real way. So Jesus, he says, following me, it it might have some serious consequences for you. It might mean that you actually lose your life. Now, there's a sense in which we can talk about this idea of losing your life for Jesus' sake to find it in him that that involves this idea of making choices on a daily basis of self-denial and things like that. But we would be amiss to only read this as though 
application in our current context where we don't face this life and death choice as though that's the, the only consideration. Because for a woman like Ayan, growing up in a Muslim country, in a Muslim family, where to reject Islam was to embrace death, following Jesus was to lose everything for his sake in order that she might find everything in him. And Jesus, he goes on and he says, he says in verse 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Meaning if you, if you seek to protect your life, if you seek to, to uh, gain all the things that you can and, and protect them, if you seek to protect your relationship with your family, your job, your career status, if you seek to protect everything that you can gain in this world, if you seek to save your own life, the irony is in trying to do so, you'll lose it because you'll lose the one person who actually matters above all things. He says, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So abandoning everything else in life to pursue Jesus alone means that you will actually save your life. You will actually find the life that you wanted and and desired and longed for at the deepest level. It won't be the life that you thought you needed. It'll be the one that you actually did. And he says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You see, you can gain a lot in this life. You can gain the world. And some people have. You can have the family you always wanted. You can have the career that everyone envies. You can have the money to do whatever you want in life. You can have uh, the kind of romance that you only read about in novels and see on the television screen. You can have all the things that this world has to offer you and actually have nothing at all, and actually have lost the one thing that really matters, which is God and your soul, your relationship with him. Or you can, you can refuse to cling to all of that and cling only to him. And then whatever he gives you in this world is only blessing instead of a curse. If you cling to Jesus alone, you will have a kind of joy that you would not find if you continued to pursue everything that you wanted in life and got it. Do you understand that? You can pursue everything you want in life. You know, they tell you, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it all. And what if you do and you realize that it isn't what you needed? 
But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, you will save it and find it in him. This is the, the kind of joy that Christians talk about in following Jesus and loving Jesus and trusting Jesus is a kind of joy that is possible alongside the deepest tragedies and trials in this life. And you won't know that if you cling to everything in the world and gain all of it only to have it stripped away from you one day and realize that you had nothing at all. In Jesus is life. In Jesus is everything. In Jesus is what you most need and what your soul longs for. And so Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. And he says, it's going to be hard. The world's going to reject you. It's going to involve denying things that you wanted to pursue. But in losing your life for my sake, for his sake, you'll find it. The last thing that following Jesus has to mean is to be unashamed of him and his words. He says in verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man, talking about himself, be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So he says, if you're ashamed of me in this life, then I will be ashamed of you at the end of it. If you reject me in this life, then I will reject you at the end of it. You see, Jesus is freely offering us salvation, forgiveness, life itself, life eternal, and joy everlasting in him. And it's a free gift. But like the religious leaders, we so often reject it. We reject him. He says, if you're ashamed of me, if you reject me, if you refuse to have a public faith in me where you testify of me and my goodness, of, of my saving power and my glory. If you refuse to follow Jesus both privately and publicly, if you're ashamed of him, then at the end of days, he will too be ashamed of you. But he says, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here, he's talking about that day, He's talking to a group of people, his disciples. He says, there's some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what they longed for. It meant God's rule and reign. It meant him redeeming and restoring what had been lost and broken. The kingdom of God is what they longed to see. And Jesus says, you follow me, and you'll see it. I think what he's likely referring to, commentators and scholars that kind of debate this a little bit, so if you want to study it deeper, you can, but I think most likely what he's referring to is the beginning of his kingdom 
when he conquered death on the third day because it meant life for all who trust in him. Life eternal, belonging to a king and a kingdom that are not of this world, but that will one day be established fully with every tear wiped from our eyes and all things that had gone wrong restored under his rule and reign once again. And so the question is, are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to be among those who will see the kingdom of God because you belong to the king? Or at the end of days, will, be, will he be ashamed of you because you rejected him? That's the question, and it's a hard one. And I'm going to leave you with the weight of it. And if you need some help talking through it, we're here. We want to do that. We want to pray with you and talk with you. We want you to follow Jesus. But following Jesus is costly. And it's hard. But there is life and joy everlasting only to be found in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning knowing that life can only be found in you. God, my fear is that some of us would gain the world and lose you. That some of us would have a life where we get everything we want. Because I know that sometimes in getting everything we want, we miss you, the one thing that we actually need. So God, I I know that following Christ is hard, and I know that there are some in this room today or watching online that are counting the cost that know how hard it is because of what they've experienced in life, that are considering what it might mean for them to follow Jesus, what it might mean that they give up to pursue you. God, we need your spirit to give us the courage and the faith to trust you to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow you. So God, help us, because we can only do this by your grace and by your strength. Guide us and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.